1: And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon.
0: Good morning and welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. We're very happy to have you join us here this morning. And I'm very excited about our guest today. His name is Peter Stropel and he has been called one of the world's great rainmakers, among other monikers that he has, including the most connected man in America and one of the most connected people in the world. He's also considered one of the top business strategists dealing with instant change, and he's developed unique techniques to address and refocus a company's strategy in just a few hours, not in several months. And For example, he has the ability to call a Who's Who's dream list of thought and business leaders who can recommend changes in direction that immediately put a company on the right path to success? Peter is a former director with Dell Computer Corporation and Grid Systems Corporation. He's also the chairman and founder at Zero Two Holdings. In addition to all that, he's passionate about children's issues, child abuse, foster care, and reforming education. In 2008, he created Friends of Peter to bring business and community leaders together to effect instant change as it relates to the critical business and social needs of a community or country. Peter, welcome to the show today.
1: Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. Thanks for allowing me to be here.
0: Absolutely. And you know, as I said just a minute ago, you are often called the most connected man in America. And I know that I certainly saw that in action when I met you in St. Louis this past spring. So what I want to talk first about is, you know, you don't get that way overnight. When when did you realize that your passion was creating connections? Um, How did it become your mission? How did did all that come about?
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And um, that's that's a question I get asked quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's kind of like you're just living your life. And, you know, I, I remember a friend saying, you know, you, you think about the honeybee and, you know, just being a bee and not realizing that he's pollinized, you know, a bunch of plants to to be able to create flowers. And, you know, um, I was just doing what I do. And I think most really good business people tend to have a network of people around them. And there's certainly people that they probably have confidence and mentors that they trust that they pick up the phone and call when they don't know something. And uh, what i found is uh, I've always considered myself probably the the least important in any room that I'm in, and I don't consider myself to be the smartest person, uh, but I definitely know I can pick up the phone and call people that are smart. So I never as much wanted to do it as far as connections as much as just validating for me what we might do and what a potential path might be for a business. And uh, it it kind of clicked with me back in the 90s when the dot-com era was going hot and heavy and um i'd actually got a call from the chairman of a a division of enron uh and enron uh, you know at the time they were creating a 11 billion dollar startup in this division and uh he asked me uh he was referred by some friends of mine and he said peter uh we need some help because we can't get to the highest levels of the businesses that we're trying to do business with which is kind of a who's who of corporate america mm-hmm. and i was kind of surprised by that statement because i remember thinking at the time enron was a you know in the top 25 you know, largest companies in America. Right. Uh, you know, they were uh, a huge success when it came to energy at that time, and the perception of who they w- were was pretty significant. And I couldn't believe that Ken Lay couldn't pick up the phone and call somebody to help him get into Citigroup, as an example, when you got a billion dollars of your money in Citigroup. Right. And that's where I just started to r- realize is that, you know, when I told him the people that I knew, and uh, he was kind of surprised by that. Um, I had other friends of mine who were probably more average, Business people that weren't necessarily the most known, but when they asked me, you know, who do I know at Boeing or who do I know at DuPont, or and I started just sharing some names, and they'd come back and say, "You really know that guy?" And when I started to look back and at, at who those people were, when when I met some of these people, they might have been a director, they might have been a they might have been a, a, a senior manager, they might have been a junior vice president, and over time, uh, you know, they evolved into different positions. So a CFO that I might have known a few years ago you know, has a path where they become the CEO of a company potentially. And I wasn't following who they were becoming over time as much as the fact that I knew them. And uh, when I asked my friends to reach out to them and when they used my name, uh, not only were they treated with a lot of respect, uh, they were actually in some cases were actually invited to people's homes for dinner. So wow. that's when I started to realize that, wow, you know, in whatever I've done in my life and whatever network i you know, I've been affiliated with. I guess I haven't burned a lot of bridges, and for whatever reason, people I respect my friends, and that and that seemed to mean something. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so throughout your career, you built up obviously a very strong network, and as you said, many of us do that. But it was when you got that phone call, and then more subsequent phone calls, that you became really purposeful about this, and it became your mission. Correct.
1: Well, it is and it isn't because, uh, and actually, uh, the term connectors is not a term that I like because mm-hmm. I don't see myself as a connector. What I do see is, if again, and I think everybody can put themselves in this comment, is that I think everybody has friends that they can call when they need to know something or get kind of a understanding some subject matter. And uh, that's what I see. And I, what I don't want to do is I never want to be in a position in any business situation where I'm making some assumption about a direction a company needs to go in without other counsel. And so what I'm really doing is calling friends to validate things for me. And in that matter, in, in the way I happen to do it, happens to be connecting people with other people, so it's less about um, I want Kelly to know this person, and more about hey, Kelly has a situation that I need to have validated, and by the way, the top person that I know can validate it happens to be another person that might uh, own a publishing company or be somebody that she says, God, if I could ever meet that person, uh, and that just happens the way I do it. Uh, I, I think, uh, okay. yeah, you understand, so.
0: Yes, got it. So l- let's talk, though, about relationships for just a minute. We hear a lot about that. Everybody knows how important relationships are in business. But one, t- sometimes what I, I witness and, and what I hear and experience from people is that they're not giving it any more lip service than, say, like customer service. You know, you hear a lot about customer service, too, but oftentimes it's just lip service. And... When you're talking about relationships, you're obviously talking about authentic relationships. So what's the distinction that you're making there? It's it's something that is very important, and I'd like to have you explain that to our listeners, the distinction you're making. Sure.
1: Um, I'm Canadian, and growing up in Canada, um, we we have a lot less people in the country. Uh, there's a lot less competition in the world of business, and you can tend to get second and third chances when you make a mistake. Uh, you don't have that in the United States. So when I first moved to the U.S., the first thing I became very aware of is that what we have in the United States aren't relationships, they're transactions. And so as long as you have a title, as long as you're tied to some business, as long as you live in a certain community, as long as people think you have a certain amount of money, then people want to talk to you. And the minute that it doesn't happen, then it all falls apart almost immediately. So, you know, I would always say a relationship, and for me a real relationship with somebody that's going to be there in the good and the bad. Yes. And they're not going to judge you. And they're not going to take the world's sense of what the perception is of you. They're going to know you for real and say, this is somebody that I want to help. And and that's what the difference is, is when somebody, when you're in a crisis, and, and, and this moniker that I have of the most connected guy in America is, I'm not the most connected guy in America, uh, I can guarantee, and most people that are connected aren't going to tell people they're connected. But the uh, there was an organization called Networlding uh, that was uh, did some things with the Chicago Tribune um, in uh in Chicago to have a contest in regards to who they found to be the most connected people in America. And I had been involved in a situation where I was trying to help friends of mine who were involved in the city of Houston get out of a situation after Katrina, the hurricane. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were coming into the city, and, and there was a lot of people coming out of Louisiana, and the issues, they were starting to tie up government buildings, and they couldn't get people out of those buildings So what I was looking at is in a crisis, you should be able to call your friends, and they're not going to say to you, how much am I going to get paid for this? And they're certainly not going to say, well, uh, am I going to get any press or PR? No, it's none of that. It's just because you're my friend. And that's the distinction. And if we don't have those types of people in our lives, then we're probably pretty sad people, and and we've got to develop those types of relationships. And and that's my view is when you're in a crisis and you can make a call, who's there for you matters. And Uh in the Katrina situation when the city of Houston was in a crisis um, within 18 hours, I ended up having governors, former governors, uh, CEOs, uh, people that were experts in crisis, uh, on a conference call, and none of us were sitting there going, "How much I get to pay this this hour?" It was more about what can we do to help the city.
0: So, right. It's the right thing to do, and you know exactly. who can help you. So it's, this is all very logical. This all sounds very. Uh, it also sounds very human, as a matter of fact. So why is it that so many people have trouble? developing relationships that are authentic? What What is the stumbling block?
1: Uh, well, I think the first thing is pride. You know, anybody comes into a room, you can immediately sense ego, and uh, you can immediately sense people that are there for themselves. Um, you know, if, if people are around me, and I ask my friends, I said, if I ever sound like I'm a name dropper, do me a favor, slap me, right? Because <laughs> when I get insecure and I'm around powerful people, you know, I might say things that are kind of stupid. But the bottom line is that um, what I love is when if I'm sitting there and uh, and I meet somebody that I can see is genuine, and they're and they're really a good person. I have zero doubt that I can help them. Um, and I there isn't anybody in my rolodex I wouldn't introduce them to to validate an idea or, or concept. So it's just an immediate thing, and and, uh, and 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 that's it. I you know I think when people start coming in and um, you know and, and it's me and it's mine and it's I and uh, this turns people off, and uh, that's not anything that I want to have uh, to be involved with and. Um, I'm I'm, I'm very genuinely and instinctually tied to people that are in it for not just for themselves, they're in it for the greater good, and uh, that really makes a difference for me.
0: Right. And when you were talking, you've been weaving this throughout uh, some of our conversation here today about getting people on the phone who can validate ideas. Uh, I suspect that that ties into the concept of instant change. Can you tell us about what... What do you mean when you refer to instant
1: change? Sure. Um, I call instant change. It, it really is not so much about my situation is going to change this minute. I'm instantly going to be richer. Even those those types of things happen, thanks to our lottery system and things like that. But um, it, it, instant change really defines that, that there's now a different way I'm thinking. And, and right this second, we're not alone. There's other people that are helping guide us in regards to the future. And uh, it, it's that. And there's hope. And And with that hope comes faith, and uh, um, it's that moment where we realize that you know perceptually, and this is the ch- we're all we're, the one thing we all deal with is perception and and everybody has a perception of who we are, who they think we are. Um, I don't care whether you're an individual whether you're a business, I don't care if you're a community or a church or a nonprofit. We all have perception issues. And when you sit down and if you put perception as the number one agenda item. On your agenda. The next time you have a meeting, you ask somebody, What's your perception of me or what's your perception of my company? You're going to hear some really interesting things. And if they know you and they've known you a long time, they're going to say, What are you talking about? Well, how do you, if somebody asks you to describe me, how would you describe me? And if you listen mm-hmm. to the words they use, you're going to know instantaneously whether that person really gets you or whether they okay. really get your company. And so what happens is because it is a relational world, and now with social, the last thing you want is people to be defining you in a way that you don't want to have be defined or describing your company or products in a way that really aren't honoring your uniqueness. That's the kind of stuff that really gets me going. So that's where I want to sit down and say, look, at all those people that you care about today that are in the relationship with you that you trust, just ask them what their perception is of you and hear the words that they use to define you. And then after that, you have every right in the world to say, can I share my perception of you? And you can get to some pretty, pretty uh, gut-wrenching conversations with that state. I I can only
0: imagine, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. so that's really the basis. Let's define our perception, what people think of us. Are the people that are around us who are on the bus? And I'm saying whether they're our employees, whether they're our investors, whether they're our customers or our vendors, do they get us? Do they really understand what we do? Does our board really understand what we do? And that's well, we can get in a whole conversation about that because that's where I think there's a huge weakness.
0: Well, sure. I mean, and there there could be uh, some responsibility. If, if you're not hearing what you thought that you would hear, there's there's probably, in many cases, I, I would assume, there's probably some responsibility um, for yourself to make some changes. I mean, e- there's a, a lot of times people um, have a disconnect between what they want to do or what they say that they're doing and what they're actually doing. And so it may not always be that the the boards or the friends or whoever's uh, perception of you is entirely wrong. It's just that you're maybe not uh, acting in accord with how you want to be or what you want to be doing, I suppose.
1: No, you're right. And, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the thing that's most difficult when you look at a business is because it really is who you're in relationship with in the business world. And, Uh um, you know, who is your customer and who is your investor and who is on your board and who are your executives and what are their backgrounds. It's all perceptual. And, And, you know, I used to believe, being a marketing guy, that perception was reality. And I know more than anything as I've gotten older, perception is not reality. It has nothing to do with what's real. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and especially in the social world. So what really comes down to is it really comes down to, um, you know, friends say I'm the best that they know at B2B, and I was like, business to business? That's really, I really honor that comment. And they, no, no, belly to belly. And I was like, that's really funny, you know. <laughs> um, is what I want to create. Yeah, I want it's the people that are going to sit across the table from me that will be in a room with you. Um, you know, I jokingly say to my friends, and anybody who knows me knows this, whenever I meet with them in public, I always say, thank you for meeting me in public. You know, or thanks for seeing with me in public or thanks for eating with me in public. they're always laughing. You're so funny. And I'm going home. No, that's the biggest compliment. Because if other people come in that know me, it's gonna be very evident that you are with me and you're sitting with me. And that's and and sometimes in in most situations who you are is very significant for me. You know, and uh, I just I never want to lose that ability to be able to honor people for that. And uh, it's I, I, it's not about how many people you're linked to. It's more about who's going to be seen with you in public, and are they really there for you in a time of crisis? That's the critical yes. stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, and I referenced earlier that I had seen you in action because what you you know some of the things that you're talking about here, people people may still be a little bit skeptical about that and think, okay, so he's got the same and he goes to to places and he calls us on the same few people or whatever but no when you did a you did a session in St. Louis at a a small conference that I attended and he did he called various people randomly up onto the stage and asked them about their business and about new ideas that they they might have on the table or what what's the challenge that you're facing and you got very high level people out of meetings to take your call. This is the true power of authentic networking and who you hang out with and and, and who respects you and who you respect. It's it's the power behind that is just mind boggling.
1: So well, it, go ahead. you know and truthfully Kelly, I mean it's it's not anything that I could say there's nothing special about it. What really is significant is the fact that I think you can't get to that level and have those conversations unless you respect people's time.
0: Yeah. And the other
1: things you can't do is you can't have wasted conversation. And I, I can tell you, I don't care who it is, when you're in a meeting and you hear people where it starts off, well, how is everybody, do you have a good weekend, that's wasted time. And when you have a high-level meeting, uh, I don't need to prove to somebody that I know somebody. When somebody gets out of a meeting or somebody says, hey, Peter, how are you doing? Uh, you know, how's Kelly? You know, I know people who are listening to that know they know me, right? And so the next stage is what can we focus on? And I always want to make sure that any conversation we're having is strategic to their business, either strategic to them personally or, if it is possible, strategic to their business. Because they'll tell me the reason why I get out of that meeting is because I know you're not hanging out with people that are average. And you're probably yeah. going to ask me to ask to respond to some perception around something that's going to be strategic to my business. And a lot of times these guys will say, you know, I take what you, with the people that in the conversations that we have, even though it might be a minute or two minute conversation, and I'll take that back to my executive team. And I'll say, hey, um, CTO, uh, do you know I ever heard of this subject matter? And they go, no. And they wonder if their CTO is really on the latest edge of thinking. Or they'll go back and and say to their CFO, does this mean anything? Or would this company be something that would be strategically an opportunity for us to acquire? And they go, no, absolutely not. We already researched them. And 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 he's thinking, well, in the two minutes that I just talked to the CEO of that company, what he just shared with me is so strategic to our future, I can't believe we're not looking at them. And it's stuff like that where, again, it's an instant validation of something, of an idea, concept, or of a person that now really changes the way they look at their own business. And and I think in most cases, if it wasn't that, they just don't do it because I'm nice and they don't do it just because they want to, uh, you know, spend time with Peter. That has nothing to do with it. It's absolutely strategic to business during the day.
0: Tell us about your efforts at the at Friends of Peter. You obviously are well-respected in, in the business community, and uh, this also translates into the social realm. You have a lot of causes, uh, a lot of things that you're passionate about, helping other people when it comes to children in particular. So talk to us about why you founded Friends of Peter in 2008 and what some of the, what are some of the things that you're doing. And then I'm going to throw another question on top of there so that you can just you know, talk um, at length about this if you'd like to. But segue that into why it is important for business people at any level, even if you're a very, very small business, to be involved in community, to be involved in social efforts. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh,
1: Friends of Peter was started in uh, 2008, and uh, it was more in reflecting. I had a friend of mine that was on the verge of homelessness, and um, I asked him uh, when he started sharing, uh, I asked him who his dream companies would be that he'd want to work with. Um, He hadn't been in the workforce for quite a while, so I it was going to be very difficult to help him find something. Um, And, again, when you're on the verge of homelessness, when people do their background and credit checks, you know, you're probably not in the best situation. So he was 100% really relying on my relationship to kind of validate who he was because all the transactional things that people would look at didn't make sense. And uh, you're not out of work for a long time with people like you if you're really good at something. So, um, and I started to think about that. And and I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who was a former CEO of Walmart. And uh, and I said, you know, this guy would be a good guy for you to know. I'd really like you to know him. And he said, I'd love to meet him. And and so here I was, and I was thinking about it. My friends are my friends. And I'm not going to judge based on whether somebody's on the verge of a struggling situation, homelessness, divorce, or anything, or whether somebody's the CEO of a company. I mean, we're all just human. And right. what I found is my friends honored each other. And uh, and my friend that was the CEO was completely honoring of the other guy, and he didn't judge him. He didn't judge him being less of anything. And uh, what happened is we together opened a few doors where we both were the reference for him and helped him find a job that would allow him to feed his family. And I remember him phoning me up and saying, Peter, you know, you know this couldn't have happened without you. And it was like, you know what, that's what life's about. And and he was like, you know, what do I owe you? And you don't owe me anything, you know. Just do the best job you can do, and uh, someday we'll have a barbecue at your home, and uh, you can give me a burger, you know. And and that's where friends of Peter and I started to think about it because what my friends do, and, and Kelly, you do this as well. Um, we all have friends that are experts in an area, and I call them five percenters because with experience, when you, you when you hear a problem and you only need to hear five percent of it to get it, that's a lot of experience. Yes. And, and the 5%er doesn't waste time. They get it very quickly. You don't need to get into babbling, rambling conversations about a problem. They say, I got it, I got it. Now the next thing is, now what do we need to do to fix it? Mm-hmm. And what happens is when you can start putting names and relationships around who you are, and and I always say this, I can change the value of a company overnight, literally the value and the valuation of that company overnight based on putting key relationships into that business that now change the relational value of that business. Right. And I could argue with Wall Street in regards to why all the transactional data, quarterly results, you know, inventory levels, all of those things don't really matter as much as the relationship value. Right. Because who have you been in relationship with? What companies for a long time? Do they honor you or are they just there because you're cheap? Because you're the one, you know, that's where you start getting into how you can break a business down. But when I sat back and looked at my friends with Peter, I wanted to change immediately. I don't care whether it's a community. I don't care whether it's a person's life or a business. I wanted to change the perception and the value of who they were to the world. And that's what my friends would do by saying, you know what, if it matters to you, it matters to me. And that's it. And that's where well, it came from. So.
0: Well, and it boils down to advice that m- most moms give their kids. It's like you know if you hang out with those people that's what people are going to think that you're like and if you hang out with <laughs> these people that's what they're going to think you're like i it's it, it's such common sense in so many ways but uh, very very difficult as, as not just as kids but as we get older it's it's very difficult sometimes to actually put into practice and uh it but 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 great great advice obviously if you were to issue a challenge to our listeners today now that they've op- had the opportunity to to hear this conversation, to understand what you talk about when you talk about authentic relationships, what would you challenge them to do?
1: Well, I, I challenge them to do this. Um, I, I think, and I, I'm going to make a blanket statement about listeners, and I'm probably going to be pretty close to being accurate based on 15 years of doing this, that most people that are listening to this don't even really know who they are. They don't really understand who they are uniquely in this world. And because of that, the people around them don't really know. And and, and, he, and you can also judge those people who don't even really know who they are, right? So mm-hmm. w- what happens is we have to come back to a basis of who are we and what value do we present. And we have to be able to value the relationships around us. Are they helping us or hurting us? And so the thing I'm going to challenge people with and, and – um, you know, I, I, I think we can do this in over the over the phone. Um, I could define what I call my home plate. And it's, what you it, call it, your what? I call it the home plate.
0: The home plate, A, okay. And, and the home
1: plate is who you are uniquely. And I don't care whether you're uniquely the business or whether you're uniquely you're the person or whether it's uniquely the family or whether it's uniquely the church or the nonprofit, it doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. all falls into this basis. Because mission statements and vision statements don't define anybody. And in crisis... Nobody agrees with your mission statement or vision statement. And that's what's interesting, because when you deal in the world of crisis, you've got to be unbelievably capable, but you're going to do things now. And I've been involved in companies where there's $10,000 in the bank and 100 people have to get paid the next morning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a crisis.
0: Yes, I so you absolutely. So you have
1: to figure out very, very quickly, because investors are going to say, does this business need to exist? Am I going to put any more money in this thing to be able to save the money I've already got in it, or am I going right. to put it into receivership? Mm -hmm. People are already starting to look around. Employees are already leaving. People are unhappy. Suppliers and vendors aren't being paid. There's nothing good about the perception of your business. And then what happens is we're sitting back and going, this has got to change, and it's got to change now. And the only way we can start is by asking us, what's the perception that that people have of us? So if I go back to this home plate, and the home plate is just a square. It's a box. You know, In the first corner of the home plate is the top right-hand corner, and it stands for passion or love. What are you passionate about? What do you love? I can tell you, Kelly, that you're passionate about people. You're passionate about small business. You're passionate about women in business. You're passionate about communicating and helping people be all they can be, but you're also passionate about every business growing and sustaining itself to make a difference in the community. United. And then when you know something, you give back. So that's what you're passionate about. And why would I ever want to introduce you or ever bring somebody that's an investor to the table around your business that doesn't honor that about you? I won't. So you don't ever negate any corner of the home plate. Otherwise, it's a no. It's not even an argument. It's just no. Right. The next corner right. of the home plate is the bottom right-hand corner, and it stands for uniqueness or beauty. So I know what you're passionate about. I know what you love. But what makes you unique? And beautiful in regards to that. Well, your background in publishing, your background and the success that you've had, academic credentials, your husband, your family—all the things that uniquely make you you—is what who you are. Sure. And and uh, why would I ever want to bring anybody to the table that doesn't honor that? I wouldn't. Uh-huh. Right. So we're not going to even go there when somebody says that that's that they want to belittle you. And you know, anyway. So those two, the, everything on that right side of the home plate at this point is you, who you are individually. And you can do that, again, as a business, what our business is passionate about and what makes our business unique and beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. So the the bottom left-hand corner is where we get into what we're going to do to make a difference. So the impact or truth is the next corner. You know, And so the impact is based on what are you going to do to make an impact, and is that impact based in truth? What have you done to make an impact? What have you done that's truthful that has made a difference in line with what your uniqueness is and in line with... What your passion is, and then the last corner is called sustainability and legacy. Yes. So now I'm sitting here, and I and I put all this together. I want to take my passion, what I love, my uniqueness that makes me beautiful, to make an impact that's based on truth, that's going to be sustainable to the point that it creates a legacy. And if I define my business in that, because that top left-hand corner is the one that every business struggles with. How do we sustain? what we want to do, what we're passionate about, what makes us unique. When I hear people say they don't have competition, I'm going all alone, I'm in trouble, <laughs> right? Everybody knows that. But when I hear people say, who are you uniquely, and I'm sitting here, and I, I keep going back to, what uh, you know, every business was started because somebody had a dream. And some yeah. dream they felt that it had to be realized, and the only way they could realize it was by creating a business around it and they might have just started doing it themselves until they realize we're making some money and we need to have other people on board to help me, and all of a sudden you've got a company, right? But it doesn't change the heart and soul of why that business was created. And every time I've seen a business that's in trouble, it's because you go back to the basis of when they were started and how they were created, and people forgot that. I don't care if it's 50 years. If you go back to the basis of why a company was created, and people say, well, time changes and it's not relevant. No, it is relevant. Because every time I've ever gone back there with a board of directors, and I'm talking about Fortune 50 companies Mm -hmm. and and divisions, and say, why was this company created? Let's go back to those foundations. And you go back to that. You understand how far you've come from who you were in the beginning. And you realize every time you bring in a new person to lead your company, they have their own dream and vision of where you're going to go. And if they don't understand what the core values are that you're basing your business on today that got it to the point that they're coming, they're going to start taking you down a road that's not the road you want to be on.
0: Right, that vision becomes very fragmented. It and uh over the like say, over the course of 50 years or so, it it just becomes fragmented to the point that nobody uh remembers why it got started. And and certainly there are marketplace changes, but that doesn't mean that the passion and the uh initial vision and intention can't come along with those marketplace changes. So uh, powerful stuff here today, Peter, and, and we could go on and on. I Actually, I have several more questions to ask, but our time is up, and that just means that, that hopefully uh, we can have you come back on another time and talk. Uh, especially I especially want to hear more about at some point about uh, some of the social issues that you're involved with, specifically the, the children's issues and so forth. It, and I, I know that you have websites that people can go out and visit. Uh, can you tell us where where they can go to find out more information about you and about your causes and, and about authentic relationships?
1: Sure. Um, they can go to uh, friendsofpeter.net, and uh, we're kind of tying things together with that. And then... Uh, If they go to zero two z e r o and the number two dot com, zero two dot com will become a a, more of a corporate website. But today it points to friends of Peter and uh, um, and then uh, you know there there probably isn't a city in the U S where I don't have some friends that uh, um, I'd love to introduce people to. But um, if anybody ever used your name and uh, gave me a call, um, I would do whatever I can to honor them and help them and. yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've followed you for quite a while, Kelly, and I know you've had friends of mine on the show, and they've been nothing but, uh, you know, completely complimentary of who you are and what you stand for. And um, it, it was an a cr- incredible honor for you to ask me to be part of this today, and, and uh, I, okay. I, I can't wait till the next time. So.
0: Well, it, it's uh, absolutely mutual. Thank you very much for uh, your time today, because as you said, time is precious, and, and we don't want to waste it. So, thank you very much for being here today, and to all of you out there, you heard you heard what he said. If uh, if, if you if you use my name and you need a, a connection, I, I shouldn't use that word, but if you need uh, Peter to uh, put you in touch with somebody, he's happy to do that. Thank you so much again, and uh, the rest of you, thanks for tuning in today. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.